Stag. Man and his amazing friends. Hey everybody, welcome to Stagman and his amazing friends. Uh, this week we have Scotty Young. Uh, I think a lot of you guys will be excited about that. We're going to talk Middle West. Um, I'm Ryan Stegman, and Griffin's here, and Scotty's here. So, absolutely, we're uh, we're Hello. ready to do another episode, right? Uh, episode five. This is episode five. Thanks yeah. for joining us, everybody, and thank you uh, for all the people coming back uh, from the previous episode. Um, yes, Scotty Young is here, and uh, it's going to be a super awesome episode. Scotty, thank you so much for joining us, dude. I'm really wow. excited to talk Middle West. Um, I uh, I was lucky enough to have um, Ryan uh, get, sent, sent me some stuff so that I could read Middle West, uh, and so I've burned through it in, like, the past uh, week. I've kind of, like, um, spaced it out, like, just enough uh, to keep me, like, you know, because it sucks that, you know, it's it's so easy to just read it all at once right sure um, yeah uh and and i've been very grateful to just sort of like one issue a day just like pacing cool. it out and so uh, i just read uh, issue eight uh so the awesome. most recent issue love that issue nine guys when you hear this episode we're going to be just four days away from a glorious another issue of middle west by scotty young um coming out july 24th uh so super excited for that of course um just to kind of kick us off here, Scotty, why are you, why are you, first off, why are you one of Stegman's amazing friends? And another question, <laughs> why are you writing Middle West? Um, Stegman stalked me. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Okay. This is why. I'd like to hear, hear your, your recollection of exactly how we became <laughs> friends. Um, the way that I remember it was I got, I'm pretty sure it was an email, right? You emailed yeah. me and said, um, told me who you were and just said, would you mind looking at a, my portfolio or something to, of that nature? Like yeah. you wanted me to check out your work. Um, you told me what you were working on, which I think was some Dable Brothers stuff or something like yeah, that. Yeah, magician. Yeah, magician. Um, and I can't remember if we did it on email or if you actually asked if I did Skype. Because right – like we were we, – we, right? No. Well, he okay. So – we were, I think we were both in this place where we were both working. You had moved out of Chicago, so you didn't have yeah. as much contact with people. So you're working in a room by yourself yeah. all day. I'm doing that too in my apartment in Bath, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that we were both starving for like human connection because we're both <laughs> extroverts. Yeah, huge um, extroverts, yeah. But I think what, what I remember is I asked you to look and you said – do you have Skype? That's what it was. was. Like, oh shit! Like, I'm gonna talk to him. Like, I don't right. know about this because Aaron always makes fun of me because she said she remembers this vividly because you know we we've been close over the years since then. Yeah. Uh, so she thinks it's really funny to look back at that. And uh, we, she, I, I would make her leave the room. I was like, you have to get out of here. And she's like, wow. <laughs> like I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Scotty Young on Skype right now. You can't be in here. You cannot be in here. Yeah, uh, I um. Yeah, that that is right because I I am pretty uh, disciplined with my work day, mm -hmm. so I will like anytime anybody wants me to do something that's not work related, I would like before Skype it was always just the phone. So I had I just had a like that was back when they had flip phones and I'd have one of those stupid wires coming from my phone and um, so I think that's what it was. It's like he wanted to do that, but I was like, well, I, I could probably 
draw and talk to him about art if we get on yeah. Skype and we can like you know I could knock two birds out but but it was also that we had just moved I think at the time we were still living at Casey's parents because we lived with her parents for four or five months right yeah um, and you were just married right like you guys had just I don't got, think like, we were married yet I think that we were about to get married we were engaged for sure we may have been married I don't know it was I think, right around I then. feel like you just got married but you guys hadn't moved into your you were right. you were you were in you were in like your apartment that you like your non like your apartment before you got married and then you guys moved into a better one or something after but yeah um yeah i think that's yeah that's that's exactly how i remember it is being you asking me to check out your portfolio i said let's do it on skype we did it on skype and then yeah we were just i can't even remember how i think it did, <laughs> we just like friends like right away like yeah like just, and they were like well hey we'll do it I think he hit me up. Maybe, maybe you called the next day or I did or something. And then it was just like a, after about a week, it was weird. It was just kind of like, Oh, this is what the work day is now. Like, right. Yeah. We, we work just sit there and work and talk and <laughs> right. whatever. And that just went I, on. That, I mean, that went on forever until like recently now Scotty's doing more writing. So he can't be on Skype. I know. Much, but, it's mm-hmm. so, I'm so bummed. It, my, my work days are so weird now. Cause I don't talk to Riley and Ryan almost the, all and i used to do it all the time and it's really weird but i do remember um i do remember having like a really weird like inner conflict with this uh with the idea of doing it because i used to watch movies so much i ryan i wonder if you'll remember this i used to watch movies so much while i worked that it was like bothering me a little bit that i was like okay the more i talk while yeah. working i'm also not getting any like movie stuff going on and then there'd be group conversations where you're not you're not talking all the time. And so I went out and actually bought, got Casey's sound equipment because she's a, she was a musician at the time, and like hooked up a situation where I could hear them on Skype, but also hear my television in yeah. the headphones. <laughs> um, it was a mess, but eventually I let the TV part of it go because there was too many of us clowning around all the time. Yeah, the, the this is like a I. I my grandpa was a, he wanted to be an artist, right? A commercial artist. And I was talking to my aunt recently and she said, yeah, he could just couldn't, couldn't take the whole sitting in a room by himself thing. Right. Uh, and I sometimes wonder now, cause I mean, I immediately, once I started doing this professionally was like reaching out to people, like I had to talk cause I right. would go freaking insane. So this was like a godsend to have a group of people that I could talk to. Right. Like, this week, Riley's um, Riley. We're talking about Riley Rossmo. We t- we're good friends with him. He um, is out of town, and Scotty, you know, is writing or whatever. And other guys just aren't haven't been on. And I feel like at the end of the day, like I'm a zombie or something. <laughs> like I haven't spoken. I won't have spoken for like eight hours to anybody. And then I just come upstairs, and all of a sudden, there's kids and a wife, and I'm like. <laughs> Oh God, you guys like need me to answer questions and tell you what I want for dinner and all this stuff. Like I just feel like bombarded. So, right. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's where our friendship uh, was birthed. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, wonderful. And Hey, you made it on the show. You're one of our first guests on the show. You actually right behind your number two, right behind Venom boy, Donnie Cates. Uh, and we are so happy to have you here, man. Um, oh, we're going to talk. Man. Absolutely. Um, we're going to talk Middle West, which for anybody that doesn't know is Scotty's uh, current project that is a uh, beautiful tale, both uh, um, literally and uh, and I guess figuratively um, of, of fathers, sons and uh, 
parenting and childhood and you know what we do with our kids and so on and so forth i want right. to i don't want to talk about your book for you um i but, like it i like when people do that hey cool um because i will i will do it all fucking night dude this book is <laughs> so awesome all right oh, the, thanks, one of man. the one of the hardest parts of doing the show here is to not be like constantly gushing right are you kidding me i got ryan segman and scotty young on this <laughs> like are you shitting me these guys, you guys it. are so goddamn talented, um, and uh, we're gonna talk about it. Where do where do we want to start, Scotty? Let why me, are you? Let me. Well, let me let me start right, with Ryan something here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I Scotty had said uh, this was interesting because I, fi- I I actually read the whole thing straight through. Whereas you had sent me the first couple scripts. Remember, mm-hmm. you showed right. me all the pencils. I saw all the inks. I saw right. all the colors. I right. never saw it all together. <laughs> so I was reading it. I was like, I know all this stuff, but this is like, it, it was, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like I was, I was really into it and it was, it was a totally different experience to see it all together. And I don't know why I hadn't done it yet. But yeah. <laughs> well, it's fantastic. Cool, yeah. It's um, Jorge and Jean and Nate and everybody along on the team is there. It's crazy. I can't, it's really something the way that, that we've all been able to, work together and I'm I'm pretty much in awe every time they send me stuff back that I'm like I'm st- I still can't believe like any of it came from anything I did I'm just like oh I think maybe they went and made other stuff up and now I'm just seeing cooler stuff but uh yeah it's, it's pretty fun to watch all that co- stuff get turned in mm-hmm. yeah I can't I mean Jorge uh oh I gotta say he's <laughs> oh unbelievable God. I mean, I knew he was good but again like seeing it in action with the in conjunction with the the story and I mean, he is him and Jean. This is like a perfect team. And, and he's only getting he's only getting better. That's the crazy <clears throat> thing. Yeah. Like he was a, he was stunning from page one. Mm-hmm. But like when you get into page eight, and like I'm getting inks now for for issue tw- or uh, issue eight. I'm getting inks for issue twelve right now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh! Wait until you. <laughs> I mean, it's just like he just keeps getting better. It's it's wild. He, he's so he's he's also. Uh, like a natural extension of kind of what you do, which is really mm-hmm. interesting because I mean, it's still very different from what you do, right. but it's the same vein. So right. it's almost like, like I, I, a lot of times it's just like, Oh, I feel like that's exactly how Scotty would have handled that. You know? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. we, we could definitely de- tell we come from the same, from a similar school of thought mm-hmm. as, as far as, and just a lot of similar influences of, you know, animated movies and, comics we grew up with and, and illustrators and stuff. So you could tell that, you know, we're around the same age and we just kind of come from the same influences, even though, he, you know, I'm from the Midwest and he's from Venezuela. Has he, ha, has he done a bunch of stuff before this? Um, I don't know a bunch, but he, he definitely did. Um, he did a, he did his own book called feathers at boom. He right. did number one with a bullet at image. Um, he did a series called goners years ago at image. Yeah. Um, he did some DC Robins War Robins or something like that. So mm-hmm. he did some DC stuff, um, some some other Boom stuff, a couple of hints and things. Oh, he did um, Big Trouble Little China. Okay, I think he did that series. So he's he's done a decent amount, um, but in a short amount of time. Like he's mm-hmm. been he's really been crushing it. How did you come across this stuff in the first place? Uh, I went down to speak at SCAD one year. Uh-huh. Me and CB and. Um, him and his now now wife that I don't even know that I don't think they were dating yet they had driven from I want to say we were in Atlanta Atlanta 
And they drove up from the Savannah campus because they knew we were going to be there. And they kind of came to the bar and hung out. I think they heard our talk and then mm-hmm. hung out at the bar with us um, a little bit. And they were really nice. And I remember seeing his stuff and being really blown away by it. Um, yeah. And just kind of like kept tabs over the years. And then um, when he started getting work, I saw it. And I, I can't remember. Where, I feel like we're at a convention or something. And I was like just in passing or maybe I emailed him. It was, it was around the time, and you know this time where I was like, I was really starting to get the bug to write more for other artists. So mm-hmm. at, I was really like, even before I'd have fully thought out ideas, I was just reaching out to really good artists that I thought would would uh, work well with me. Um, because I write to I write to art. Like it's right. it's very difficult for me to go too deep into a project if I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, so. I really just said, Hey, I don't really have a project in mind, but would you, you know, you want, if, would you work with me one day on something? And he was like, yeah. So I kind of always had him in the back of my mind, um, for projects, uh, any projects that would come up. And then, uh, he was a, he was a pretty natural fit for this one. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Segment. I think you'd like nailed it on the head right there with what you said, where it's like, you're in the same realm. Uh, you, Jorge and, and yourself, Scotty are like art wise, uh, are, are like in that same sort of just like, I don't know. Yeah. The, I think realm is the only word I can use for right. it. Like it's just a genre of art. They have the say. same brain injury that makes them <laughs> no, make sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes <laughs> sense. Um, and, and that combined with, um, with, with John's coloring and everything. Oh, right. like right. ridiculous. Um, and uh, it's it's this really awesome like, because like we're saying where you guys are all kind of the, you have this sort of similarity to it, but somehow the combination of all of it makes it this totally unique thing, um, and yeah, right. it's it's pretty incredible. So uh, obviously, I think people are really familiar with uh, with more of your uh, I think you know, your art stuff, um, and you you know we know that you've done Marvel and uh, I hate Fairyland and everything. So then, what led you to Middle West? Why are you doing this right now? Middle West was. It really came from, um, I did a sketch one day, I probably was on, was on Skype with Ryan, um, of, it was, I was constantly trying to f- come up with creator own ideas. Ryan remembers this. He was probably, I remember the name Middle West coming up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there was a t- period of time where I was just so obsessed with finally doing creator own stuff and I'd have ideas here and ideas there. And, and eventually I hate fairyland you know, kind of took the front of the lead role there. And I did that, but somewhere along the lines, I started really wanting to do another project. And, and I'd done so many comedy books. And so I was just doodling one day and for my morning sketch, I, I, um, I can't even remember where I got the idea from, but I just thought like, I, I like the idea of always having like kids on a little journey and asking a question or Mm -hmm. something. And so I, I drew a kid looking at a farmer who had a rake and like a trucker hat. And, and the kid just said, and, and a lot of times I'll draw the drawing and while I'm drawing it, I'll have the two characters. I don't know what they're going to say. And then I finish it. And then I just give them word balloons and mm-hmm. I make it up on the spot. And that drawing was the kid said, you don't look like a wizard. And the farmer was like, well, what does a wizard look like? And I, and I posted that and somebody else, a couple of people was like, that's a really cool idea. And I was like, God, it is kind of a cool idea. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea of, you know, if in modern times, that would probably be more of a wizard, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like in the old, like, you know, some farmer, very agriculture based and growing a light, all that. So, 
it's really where the seed was planted was that one little drawing that one day where a kid just talked to a farmer about being a wizard. Um, and then I kept, then I kept thinking of, uh, you know, what, what does that mean? How's it work? And then, then at some point I came up with the, the concept of the tornado monster. Um, but at first it was, you know, it, it had many ways at first. At first it was just more of like a little fable and the tornado monster was a le- legitimate monster yeah. that the kid was conversing with. And, um, and then I ended up having like another story that I had put on the back burner years and years and years ago. Um, that was a little bit more of the father son side of this story. Is that the, can I say pillow fort one? Yeah, it was one of those. I mean, right. that one kept taking different, different shape. But it, ultimately, it was a, a father-son story. And um, my father had passed away around the time I was developing that. So I just felt weird about doing it mm-hmm. at the time. So I just kind of put it away. And So when I started developing this, I, re- I started looking through my folders and was trying to find what the story was. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I think maybe these two things, mm-hmm. these two concepts kind of like, they seem to fit together. So... Um, so I kind of took the idea of the kid on a kind of a Midwest quest concept and then took some of the elements of that old father-son story that I was trying to develop and just kind of smashed them together. And, and then when, once that came together and, and obviously the Jorge jumped on, um, visually it started to take place. And I was like, oh, I, then I started to understand. Once I had the theme down, I started to understand what book I was trying to make. And then once that happened, it then it just worked and it was i mean there was a real big goal for me to try to um want to make a book that people didn't expect from me right because i've mm-hmm. been the comedy guy for so long with rocket and groot and the baby yeah. covers and i ate fairyland and i was getting deadpool i just got hired on deadpool and so i was like it was really in that place where i was like god this is all i do is tell jokes all the time <laughs> um but that's not the only kind of stories but that's what my art fits a lot mm-hmm. and so i knew that i wanted to start writing books with other artists so I could tell stories that maybe my art doesn't fit or would, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be able to sell, sell the right ways, sell, sell thematically, not sell financially. Yeah. Um, but that's uh yeah. So that's kind of where it was. I was just ready to, I was ready to stretch. I was ready to try something. I was ready to kind of put myself out there and be a little bit more vulnerable um, as a writer and as a creator and as a human, you know, and just see if like what happens if you start telling stories that are a little different than, than the kind of stuff I've been doing for the last, you know, almost 20 years. Well, that's what I was going to say is having known you all this time. Um, I feel like this is the store. This is the book that you were working towards, but maybe were too afraid to do yeah. right out of the gate. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like this is all the stuff that I know that you, that you should, that you should be doing and everything. But right. you know, of course also you were, you had a brand that well, that's, yeah, it was a yeah. strategic, you know, it was like, I hate feeling was, a, was a smart play at that time because it was a bridge mm-hmm. right. off of rocket exactly. and Groot, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just a long plan, you know, and it, it, and it's work. It seems to be working out, but I'm, I'm definitely, definitely this kind of book is where my heart is for sure. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's hilarious because, you know, we're talking about you kind of stepping away from the sort of comedy and that sort of lightheartedness that your art usually tends to go with, which, I mean, right. ironic enough for I Hate Fairyland, obviously a very violent <laughs> book. Right, but right. um, uh, but this is like, it's great because there is still that like sort of lighthearted element to it, right? This kid sort of bouncing around across this, mm-hmm. this version of the Midwest, right? That And even calling it 
Middle West. Something about it feels familiar yet different. You right. know, it doesn't quite sit totally right in the mouth when you say it. Um, and that's kind of exactly what this world that your your story is taking place in, right? It's like it feels very familiar, but then you know we've got these jugs of the pink liquid and everything, and everything has like this sort of like just otherworldly element to it, right? right? Everyone's saying, uh, oh, gods. Um, it's just these little things that make this world feel super special, super magical, and yet totally familiar. Um, right. And I think that is uh, is a chord that is um, at least struck with me when I was reading it was that it managed to combine um, this the, the real world with this, this fantasy element, um, but not to an extent to where you would look at this book and just overtly call it a fantasy book by any means. Um, yeah, that was really – that was definitely our goal. Um, you know, I kind of like to approach everything 70-30 rule, right, where mm-hmm. – and that's really, you know, and I think, you know, you find that in illustration, but you also find that thematically in a lot of the movies we watch. If you go and watch any of the Miyazaki movies, I feel like he's really, really great at that, where it's, mm-hmm. it always feels like 70% of world that we understand and then 30% of like something else special sprinkled in. Totally. Um, I think Neil Gaiman writes a lot of books like that, where it's a very much a world that you get. And then 30% magical realism, essentially, magical yeah. realism. Yeah. It's like, right. you know, and they call it different things, modern fantasy, urban fantasy. We, you know, we, we were calling this, I think during development, you know, it was, um, uh, I think we, we, we started calling, uh, the way that we were approaching everything, um, farm punk. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know, because it was like, I wanted like rusty machinery mm-hmm. and, you know, just a bunch of farmland. So me and, yep. me and uh, Jorge just kept referring to it as, as farm punk. Um, and so, yeah, we, we wanted everybody to, to feel fam- a familiar feel, especially, you know, I, I say especially, but it's like most of us live in the Midwest, right? Like yeah, we right, all get yeah. kind of looked over where the flyover states, except almost all of us live here. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's this big, huge area that we live, and I wanted everybody to kind of feel like, hey, yep, I live near that, or I've seen yeah. that, or I'm, I'm pretty used to that if you're a Midwesterner, you know? Yeah, absolutely, right? It's such a huge part of of our country, of our homeland, right? And yeah. yet, um, it's it's so forgotten that, that it's almost to the point where it's like, hey, maybe that is happening. Who knows, right? right. It's sort of that, that world, right? Um, well, that was our goal. That, that's kind of what we were saying at the beginning. I was like... I kind of want to tell the story that of the of this land that's so vast that mm-hmm. we when we drive on highways it's like there's nothing in either direction but there is stuff and we just don't know what what's there you know yeah right mm-hmm. yeah the the one thing that jumped out to me about this too is you know knowing your backstory and everything there's obviously a lot of personal stuff in here but it's funny right. too because you've essentially created a very uh, Wizard of Oz type mm-hmm. story which also plays into, you know, something from your, from your yeah. history. It's really weird. This is, this is one of those, like, like it, life imitates art, art imitates life situations because mm-hmm. I had zero intentions of that. Right. Like, uh, like, cause th- it comes up a lot. Like people are like, right. yeah, this is very much like a modern Oz or it's Oz. And I'm like, is it like, I, it's not in my head while I'm doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but then somebody was like, "Well, you've got this, and you got the Tim." Yeah, I was this, like, I the, didn't even. This, yeah, exactly. The, this, the tornado at the beginning is what sets yeah. the whole thing off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, I didn't even see the tornado, or not the tornado, but I didn't see the Tin Man. Is I mean, the tornado obviously. I mean, you can't get around mid, the Midwest of that, right? Like, the but unlike unlike um, you know Dorothy's tornado, which is literally just a 
you know, a MacGuffin. It really is just a, a it really is just a threshold device. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the obviously the tornado for us is an allegory for anger and emotions and 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 um, you know, I've said this before, but you know, um, for those of you who ever like watched a tornado happen, right? Like the day is like right now, it's really sunny outside, and we've watched one come through our town a couple of years ago where it's beautiful. The birds are chirping, and within five minutes the skies are black a tornado is erasing a town and then eight minutes after that the birds are chirping again yet there's all the houses are gone Mm -hmm. right so it's like it's like and i what's what's interesting is like so when i started trying to figure out like man what what, what's what's a good device to kind of illustrate the anger and emotions that i think we as people can get to without wanting to um, that was a perfect kind of allegory for that because of the speed at which, you know, for anybody who has kids, you understand, right? The speed at which you could be frustrated mm-hmm. um, and, and the speed at which you could be frustrated and make do something stupid um, without knowing it. And then minutes later, be remorseful and, and everything be calm again and just be like, oh, my God, what what happened? You know, mm-hmm. um, so I thought the tornado for me was a perfect it was a, it's such a perfect device for that kind of uh dealing with emotions but yeah the odd stuff past that was very accidental uh, in that way but also i mean accidental yes but also you know the odd uh, the, the the thing with oz is you know it's an age old yeah. age old tale of it's almost of, like a monomyth at this point it is yeah. yeah you almost can't get away with not having it be that right mm-hmm. well and i think you're in you're, you're this that's the tight that's the stuff that you're into anyway you know one hundred percent, yeah. Sweet. Um, so I, I'm a little uh, uneducated first on your personal life here, Scotty. Do you have children? I do. Yep, I have two. Cool. So you know, you're a family man. Ryan's a family man. You're both fathers, and obviously the the paternal relationship is at the very heart of the story, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. I want to hear what like you guys, uh, like I mean, obviously you writing the story, Ryan, you reading the story and being so close to Scotty and everything, like what are you finding in this story? What are you learning from this story about fatherhood and and raising kids and all that stuff? Obviously, I know you two are both um, better fathers than, uh, <laughs> than Dale, um, but uh, what are you guys finding in this story in that level? I want to hear from Ryan first. Well, I mean, I, I'm it, it, for me. I'm reading this um, through the lens of, of Scotty, so right. I'm I'm thinking about the things that I know. But then there were some lessons in here. the The idea, I mean, uh, the idea of being sort of a rage monster definitely resonates with me. Uh, I the the worst feeling in the world is when you get angry at your kids, and then you evaluate after, and you're like that wasn't that wasn't their fault you know I, right. I shouldn't have been and then you just you just think about it all night um you know there's all kinds of things that um you know every, everybody's had experienced that as kids right you've you've had your parents mad at you mm-hmm. and you felt you know it makes you feel like the smallest being on the planet and then right. so then you can tr- you trans if, if you're a, a compassionate person you'll then translate that to how you're dealing with your own children so um, it definitely made me think a lot, but you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, I, th- that's pretty much how I took it is just, uh, you know, you don't, you, you have to break the cycle of anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a challenge. It's that, yeah, that's really what at the heart of 
you know, the heart of this, the, the, the theme of all this is breaking the cycle of, of uh, anger and abuse in generations. Um, and I think that it's just like, you know, it's so hard to, to, it's so hard to fight against our nature, right? But that's kind of what makes us great. I think it's, it's, um, you know, somebody, somebody, uh, this is probably going to be a hot, I, I don't even watch it, but I saw something on a daily show one time where they talked about, um, why America is such an awesome country, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, I think John Stewart, actually John Stewart came back on the daily show to say this, but talking about why America is so, such a great country is because, um, it's in our nature to be, it's in our nature to join our tribes, mm-hmm. right? tribalism comes by nature so if we walk into a group we're going to automatically instinctually go find people exactly like us mm-hmm. um and the good thing about america is whether or not we succeed at that ever uh, breaking that ever we are constantly trying to and basically saying you know tribalism is natural but it doesn't mean that we can't keep fighting to not have to be that way right we don't have to yeah. divide by tribes and so i really liked that i, I always liked that concept and I, it's re- i think it's really applicable to um parenting as well or any or being a, i don't want to just put this to being a parent and, and act like oh well if you've chosen not to have kids or you don't have kids yet that it doesn't apply either it, it does it's really about emotional relationships that you have with anyone whether it's a mm-hmm. spouse or a sibling or a parent um, uh, you know, it's really on that ways of our instincts will kick in a lot of times. And it's at what point in our life do we just start deciding that like, I'm not just my, I'm just not my own id. I can be yeah. better than that. Like I can fight against that and I can like learn from my lessons because like Ryan was saying, you know, there's, there's nothing worse than realizing that maybe I just gave my son one of those moments that he's going to be talking about when he's 40, mm-hmm. you know, right. like, like for real, like I know it's hyper, it sounds hyperbolic, but it's like, think about some of the stories you'll repeat from your childhood that your, yeah. that your parents probably just thought were like, because the, the day is filled with a billion moments as adults. But mm-hmm. when, when you're a kid, the moments, the day is filled with like a couple big moments and they stick with you forever. Mm-hmm. And, right. and so there's so many times where I'm like, did I just, did I just fuck up and give my son like a, did he, did I just, did I just add a moment to his list mm-hmm. that he's going to be sitting around on like whatever, you know, the t- 2050 version of Skype and, you know, being like, <laughs> fuck my dad, you know, yeah. like, because simply because he, he's, und- he's not finished. He's not finished cooking yet. Right. Like yeah. he's not finished yet. Like his emotions, his, his cells, the way that he processes things, like it's not done yet, mm-hmm. but I interact with him too many times. Like he's done. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's my fault. You know what I mean? Like, that's always my fault. Yeah. Um, and so like trying to find that, trying to find that, uh, to those tools on a regular basis to remind yourself like, Hey, guess what, man, this little dude's for like, yeah. he's doing yeah. exactly what his machine is. He's doing everything his machine's capable of doing. I, on the other hand, am not living up to the capabilities of my machine. I'm, yeah, right. you know, um, mm-hmm. so that's that's a it's an interesting thing to keep exploring through these characters and and i'm um you know i've really been hopeful that that through these um through some of these issues and everything too like i i don't want i don't like when either side is completely good or bad either right like mm-hmm. i you know my hopefully dale comes across as somebody you don't like but also at times you're like Shh, 
I get it. And what yeah, happened with yeah. him? You know what I mean? Like, because that's the other thing too. Is always like, yeah, he, but what happened before? Like, what? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where did he come from? And what tools was he? What you know? What tools were he? Was he given? You know? Absolutely right. And yeah, that, he, that journey through the flashbacks with Maggie yeah, is like go. such like a perfect moment of that, right? Because up until that moment, you're really just in there like. Uh, aside from the little uh, mention that he has of it, right? You're sitting there like, man, D- Dale is like, he's just such a dickhead, right? Okay. And then you're like, but why, why, like, where are we going, right? And because um, that's the part of the question, too, is how does he end up like that in the same way that we're asking, like, um, you know, how is Abel ended up in this situation? That's that's the story we're reading right now, obviously. But how did Dale get there, of course, is a totally different right. thing. And, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Cause you've also, you filled the book with these characters that like some of them like, aren't like, like Dale is not, you know, he's not a likable dude. I don't want to like that dude. Right. Right. But also then there's these moments like that flashback sequence where you go, damn it, there's more to it. Right. And then you've got Maggie who is also like a wonderful, like she's, she seems so wonderful. Right. And then she's just so quick to tell Abel to get the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. And right. it's, it's so real <laughs> and it sucks, but you know, that's more or less how how people act, right? It's not just so cut and dry where everyone's life like, is yeah, always gray. Life is always gray, right? Absolutely, We're not yeah. none of us are wholly good or bad. We're just always hovering in the middle somewhere trying to figure this crazy world out, you know? Absolutely. Ryan, you were going to say something before I interjected. You want to say it? I was going to say I think that you did a really nice job as the writer of Dale um, where you did a thing that I really like in fiction, which is that you he was a bad guy, but you as the writer didn't seem to be placing any judgment on him. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, so you weren't just spelling it out like as though like this is a, you know, the worst thing and blah, blah, because you start to give him the depth later that he, that he has. And one thing that like really stuck out to me was the, uh, where, uh, you got that, exactly right a lot of parents are still nearly kids themselves and and i think that what an interesting thing that happens when you become a parent is you start to uh use your childhood as a backdrop where you're like wait that, that could have been done better you know like right. hey right and but then you almost i mean I, I don't know about you but i've come to this place where i've i've evaluated all these things and then i come back to oh my god my parents were like my mom was 23 when she had me you know like what would i have been like with a a kid at that age you know right so the scene where maggie starts to explain to him um that he's uh wanted not just needed right i thought was really interesting from knowing you because we've talked about that before where um you know like you had you seemed you grew up with like a group of friends where you kind of made them your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I was just picking up a lot of what you were saying there. Right. And, and especially I, but, now I think that you kind of moved to Kansas city and you found your, you know, yeah, your, chosen your, family. Your family. Yeah. Yeah. Chosen family is a big theme of this as well. And, and, you know, also, I mean, I think that that stuff applies a lot to being married and, or, you know, the, the, being a parent, being married, being a child, you know, all these things are, um, I think that's a theme that runs through all of our lives in, in, in one way or another is kind of reminding each other that to do the work to make the people around us feel wanted, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because if you go too long through your life just feeling needed, it's not a lot of joy in that, right? That, that you, That's uh, siphoning fuel from a person more than giving them fuel, you know, um, and 
there's nothing I, I feel like there's nothing more exciting than to have somebody want you around and want to share things with you and want to have life experiences with you versus um, well, I mean, I could take you or leave you, but I kind of need you here to do X, Y, or Z or, right. you know, and that kind of, that kind of, I think again, that, that applies to a lot of, uh, aspects of our, our relationships in life. Um, quick shout out to, uh, Mike Huddleston also doing some fucking oh, awesome God, yes. covers. Are you kidding me? So I can't good, even believe we didn't bring that up. Yet, oh my God. Those covers are like some of the best I've ever those seen. Those are posters I want on my wall is what they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's so good, man. He is so good. I wish, I wish we could have um, kept him on. He's he did the he did the first arc, mm-hmm. um, but you know you have to at some point look at the finances of of something, and and there's no way that we would not pay Mike what he's worth. But also, you know, you gotta you gotta do the budgets and you gotta make the hard choices. And um, yeah, we had to. Uh, we but Jorge is now just actually absolutely crushing the covers as well. Totally. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. Okay, so uh, obviously, as always, we uh, put out a tweet to get some questions from some of our listeners over on Twitter. Um, And so we're going to launch into those. Um, Oscar Lepe says, In Middle West, people tend to use the phrase, Oh my gods, or dear gods, as in plural. Considering what Abel and his father become when angry, are uh, are they or are they at least descendants of deities? Um, No, they are not. Um, to me, um, they, again, it is, to me, it's much more of a representation of emotions than it is, um, that, but you know, there obviously still is a history to all that, 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 you know, gets talked about at times and, and, um, you know, the way that that manifests itself is still something that's, you know, may or may not be wholly, wholly unique to these two or, or, um, you know, anybody. So, but you know, some of those things I like to leave up, you know, throw out little, seasoning here and there and see if you can pick up whatever flavor you want. And, um, but yeah, there's, there's the phrase, Oh my gods is just me trying to make sure that it, you know, it's not a one-to-one world that we live in right mm-hmm. now where it's very much, you know, a uh, Christian world where there's one, you know, where, it's, but, but that phrase still exists so much in our life. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's such a phrase of shock, mm-hmm. you know, that you, it's, it's hard not to use it. Yeah. Um, so, but I just wanted to change it just a little bit and I'm not the first one to do it for sure. I think, I can't remember what other shows or movies or things that have used the same thing, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about it uh, a little bit earlier. Um, just these little things that are familiar, but different. Right. Um, right, right. And, uh, it's funny how I think this is, this is interesting where people are kind of quick to try and start building the mythology of a story, even if it doesn't exist. Right. Not that it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I think it's sort of a testament to, the sort of landscape that we're in, in a lot of entertainment, right? It's a lot of serialized stuff. Obviously, you know, the MCU is so, like, bad. Mm-hmm. People are, like, so into, like, trying to build the whole mythology of the universe, right? Right. And sometimes right. we're getting that, you know, sometimes it's just the story, right? Um, yep. Well, and sometimes sometimes it, they they then reveal something that you never knew before, and then you're like, I didn't, I, I, oh, it was better it. in my head. So. Yeah, right, well, exactly. So it. it's, yeah. it's a dangerous game. It's a double-edged sword. Um, Oscar's got a second question. He also asks, uh, what inspires you to create so many childhood-esque stories in adult perspectives, such as I Hate Fairyland, Bully Wars, and Middle West? Uh, uh, let me answer this one for Scotty, because he's yeah. a child that's an adult. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's so true. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm literally a giant kid, yeah. It's, uh, 
you know, it's funny, right? We we all kind of just kind of repeat what we grew up with, right? I think mm-hmm. it's the reason that you're seeing um, all the kind of entertainment that was like the resurgence of kids on bikes entertainment, right? Like, oh yeah, Stranger Things and all these like uh, remakes of '80s movies or whatever. It's because we're the bosses now, and we're still <laughs> love that. So we still love that shit. So Kenny Porter asks, did Scotty have a paper route as a kid and slash or? Uh, get chased by a giant wind monster. Both seem to pull from real life experiences. Um, Shout out to Kenny. Ha- He's a friend of mine. Sweet. I know. What's I think up, I know. I know Kenny, right? Yeah, you met Kenny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Kenny. Uh, I, uh, yes, I did have a paper out. Um, I had a paper out for years, um, and it would feel at times I was chased by a wind monster because Illinois might be the windiest fucking place on earth. <laughs> It's the worst. (laughs) Kai Williams uh, says, uh, for Scotty Young and Ryan Stegman, being an artist, uh, both of you obviously are are art guys as well. Um, How do you approach writing for another artist? You can go first. Um, I approach it the same way that I write for me. I just sit down, I write, I just make a, like lay a plot out, start writing. But what I do, what I do if I'm working with somebody new, and by new, I mean, we've not worked together before, but most everybody that I've worked with has either been a friend of mine for a long time or I'm wildly familiar with their work. But what I'll do is like, let's say for example, like before Nick and I started on Deadpool, um, I went and grabbed, you know, all the Nick books that I had off the shelves. And for a couple nights I would just sat there and just page to page, just soaked it in and looked at it and, you know, just kind of studied in what, he likes to do the kind of things that I'd see him repeat the you know, panel count that he likes the angles that he likes and um, that are his go-tos. And, and then I kind of had a library in my head of like what his strengths are and where I thought I could also challenge him to really be, you know, do some other cool stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that's usually what I'll do first is just scour somebody's catalog and kind of get really, really familiar with their work that way when I start writing, which I think it's one of my strengths, in writing for other artists is being an artist myself, knowing exactly how to write for them, not me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that that's pretty much what I do. That's how I approach that. Sweet. For me, I, I mean, I'm so green. I've done a few things, mm-hmm. but uh, all I do is in the things that I've done so far is I take the basically I I try to think of the way that I feel when I get a good script which is, oh my God, I can't wait to draw this scene. I can't wait to draw that. And then I just try to make sure all the scenes are like that. Mm-hmm. So they, none of them have conference tables or people sitting around. You know, right. I, th- There's always something going on, and that's pretty much all, all I can control. Um, Hesperus asks, uh, when will Scotty reveal to us what the pink liquid is in Middle West? Uh, what was the inspiration behind having a story revolving around the storm being the affliction and the villain? Trying not to spoil anything, they say. Uh, and uh, what does Scotty hope to do moving forward? Writing, interior art, or a mix? So first up, the pink liquid. When That's, are we going to know? Uh, it's so funny. I did not think that would be such a question. And that is like <laughs> the number one question of this book. Yeah. Everybody yeah. asks what the pink stuff is. Um, what issue just came out? Eight? Eight. And then nine's going to be out? Four days after this comes okay. out. So... Probably, yeah. You still got a little bit. You got a little bit before you'll know. Mm-hmm. So was this? This was something that you you did have planned from the beginning to have a reason behind the pink liquid. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, we, we didn't think that anybody would, we put it there intentionally because there's a, you know, it, it plays a role, um, a, a pretty big role in his life. Um, it's the ruby red slippers. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> but we had no idea that people would care about it until then. You know, it was really. Well, I mean, just... it's so prominent, and it the way that Jean colors it, it always, it's right. always featured so prominently. That right. You... Yeah, and it really got in there. I mean, um, so everybody will, everybody, you'll get way, more, you'll get more information by the end of this arc. Which is that's awesome to hear. First off, because it's so interesting how at first it just feels like a sort of like world building element, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I know like I was curious about it, and then nothing was happening with it, so I was like, okay, well maybe it's just like just part of the world, and we're just gonna accept it. But right. then you saying that, like that knowing that there's gonna like something's gonna come around on it, is super awesome. Um, yeah, the, the good I think thing the about the cycle of it is great. Yeah, the good thing about this, especially you know this this particular Middle West story, which is the Abel and his Abel Dale story. Um, and I had, I really had this thing mapped out like every, every part of it before, before we started, we pretty much had the three arcs of this major story mapped out like the, the awesome. to the, to the T. So um, that's how I was able to write so far ahead. And um, you know, we, we were able to ship 12 issues and the trade within 12 months, like we didn't skip a month, no breaks, no late date, no shipping. So we really had a plan and we've really attacked it. Awesome. Um, their second question being, what was the inspiration behind having a story revolving around the, the storm being the affliction and the villain? So I of course the affliction for Abel. Um, antagonist. Well, yeah, that's just, you know, again, that's just some metaphor for, um, you know, we are, we become, we're, you know, we're, we're always going to probably become our parents unless we can figure out ways to cure that. Right. Yeah. Right. And this on a far more like physical destructive. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> sense. we're going to, sh- we're going to show the curse on the outside. You know, we're all cursed yeah. to be, we're all cursed to be, we're all cursed to repeat history unless we decide to, you know, not do it, you know? Absolutely. And I don't want to say be our parents like everybody's parents are bad. That's what, that's not what I mean. I'm just, I, I'm talking yep. more about like, you know, if no, bad they're things, all bad. um and then their their last bit was what are you hoping to do moving forward um you want to just keep writing it's like have you found that that's really where you you want to love um or um or you want to go back and just do some art for a little bit or a mix of both i'd always probably be a mix of both i need to take a year off of interiors just to remember that i like doing it (laughs) (laughs) um which i have i just I told somebody the other day you could tell that I'm ready to draw something again because I just ordered like tons of pencils and inks and brushes and you know started to get my studio kind of like my new studio kind of ready to do drawing again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of fun. Um, uh, we're gonna try to get. I don't know. It's really just. It's kind of right now. I'm not trying to make it have a plan. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like I have some projects that keep popping up. You know, I've got a new project at Marvel that I'm writing. Um, uh, I've got a project that Kyle Strom and I have been cooking up. He's he's sharing a studio with me now, and he and I have been cooking up a cool project and that I'll write for him to draw. And, um, but I definitely have a few projects now that I'm itching to draw. I don't I don't know that I'll ever draw something as long as I did with I Fairyland or anything. It'll probably be more short projects, mm-hmm. you know, six to ten ten issue projects or something like that. But um, yeah, I definitely, it'll be a mix of all of it. Okay, sweet. 
Um, the Amazing Bento Bandit doesn't necessarily have a, a question, but they just want to say um, that they've picked up the uh, comic Middle West uh, because a review of the first issue really spoke to them, uh, and the comic looks incredible, and they look forward to experiencing that journey. Well, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Um, Cha, just Cha, uh, asks... Will uh, will Scotty bless us with a baby variant of Absolute Carnage? Scotty, please. I do mm-hmm. believe it's on my schedule. Oh, all right. All so right. I do believe it's on my schedule. Yeah, we're breaking uh, news here. Sweet, yep. sweet. You heard it right here, folks. Uh, here first, folks. Stegman and his amazing friends episode. The book will absolutely Whatever. be a success now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Finally. Now that we've got the baby variant, you better yeah. believe that eight million coffees is happening. Ryan, are yep. you excited? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's gonna be sweet. Can't wait to see that. Um, they also ask, uh, when will you ever come back to the Midwest and visit Chicago? He's wondering maybe for a con or something. Oh well, I'm there every. I, I've been to C2E2 every year for ten ten years. So come um, on, Josh, just, just get to C2E2, brother. Yeah, go to C2E2, dude. Um, now that Heaven on Seven's gone, I'm never going back. I know, it's kind of bullshit, right? Yeah. It was kind of weird without you weren't there this year, right? No. It was weird. Yeah, I think I don't know if I'm going to do it this year, but we'll see. I want to. Got a podcast to promote now, brother. We're going. <laughs> yeah, I got to stay home and do the podcast. Griffin won't let me go to any more shows. <laughs> no more cons for you. Um, he also asks, uh, what inspired you to start the baby variant wave? Oh man, just I just got asked to do it. I literally, there's no romance to the story. It was literally like, hey, do you want to do a variant cover for Midtown? Yep. Uh, it's a wraparound, uh, and they, I think you guys should do the like the X Babies versus Avengers Babies. Where I was like, all right, cool, that's cool. <laughs> that's where it started, X Babies versus Avengers Babies. Well, that it was that that's it was so long ago. It, it was AVX. It was yeah, it was 2012. Right. Yeah, yeah, 2012. Um, I finished it the day before we were going to Germany for the first time and I was like rushing through it. Like I gotta, gotta, gotta get this done. Mm-hmm. Uh, turn it in. <laughs> um, I did it for midtown. They asked to do the X baby stuff. I did it uh, at the same, then that sold a trillion copies. Uh, then they were getting ready to start the Marvel now stuff and asked me, Hey, do you want to do 10 number ones and i was like i remember telling ryan like i just got 10 cover gig like i just got 10 covers <laughs> yeah like can you believe it i got 10 covers and it, we were all kind of right. like what nobody gets 10 covers yeah and i was like i got 10 covers and then so i would do a cover a week and then i would finish five of those and i was like oh i only got five five more and then george would hit me back up and be like hey you want you want, can you do five more i was like uh, all right. And then, so this kept out. And then that was, again, that was 2012. So it's 2019. And I have not had a week where there's not been at least one to two covers on my schedule since the, that day. Yeah. Uh, I remember right. when it got, to, it got to the point where you had like printouts of your, of the ones that you had to do. And you just like, look over at it and be like, okay, this one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it just it was, was like a never-ending list. Oh, yeah, and they would just always – then they would just keep adding – I feel like they weren't even asking you anymore. They were just like, yeah, now do this one. Yeah, they were just <laughs> – and then they'd give me the new schedule. George would read, send me a, a doc with my new dates, and I would add to my calendar. And I mean, I am fairly certain that I had books. I had covers on my schedule before 
um, artists or writers knew they were doing that book. (laughs) (laughs) That's how far in advance I know that I'm doing covers for books. (laughs) Uh, I will say I'm the proud honor of the Superior Spider-Man number one uh, baby variant. So, hell yeah, brother. Also, the regular one signed by Mr. Ryan Stegman. So, eat your heart out, listeners. Fancy AF. (laughs) Fancy AF. Uh, Brent Himminger asks in a similar vein if you're ever going to make it down to Florida for a con. Um, well, I was just in Florida in September at um, a shop doing a signing for Bully Wars. Um, I went to MegaCon two years ago. Um, so, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I never say never. It's not on the books right now, but you never know. For sure. And uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much the bulk of the Twitter questions. I will actually throw one more in just so we can end on a more uh, sort of middle west specific note here um so first off i love fox i think he he's great and obviously you've worked on uh, rocket raccoon and uh, well, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna say something though please do uh how do you know that fox is a boy did i say because his say name he... isn't vixen Ah, oh, got him, <laughs> got him with the science. Sorry, I don't know if I if I had said. No, I just want. I'm going to challenge you now to go back and see if he's ever been called. If if it's ever been called either one. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, sorry that they <laughs> are. If there's any similarities between yeah. Fox um, and and Rocket, obviously, did you like feel like you you really. Uh, when you were doing Rocket, did you feel like, man, I really like this? And you want to bring just a little bit of that over Fox's? No, it definitely didn't have anything to do with Rocket. Other, not Rocket, Rocket specifically. The dynamics mm-hmm. of Rocket, for sure, of Rocket and Groot. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Fox plays a role very similar to, um, you know, Rocket and Groot or or Gert and Larry or Pinocchio and and Jiminy Cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, when you put somebody out on the road, they you need to, to have them talk to someone. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in, you know, and again, like kind of magical realism stories or modern fantasies or whatever, you know, there's always kind of the concept of familiars where, you know, you could take something very familiar like a crow or a fox and, and have them mm-hmm. talk. And again, you're adding just a little extra something special to the world and not really knowing why, you know? Um, absolutely. You got a couple issues in a couple issues. You're going to see some pretty dope stuff. Sweet, um, sweet. You're gonna see some pretty dope stuff that kind of like gives you a little bit of more flavor of the the role of these kind of guides or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, hey, that has been our discussion of Middle West with Scotty Young. Scotty, thank you so much for being here once again, man. And uh, I can't say it enough, folks. If you haven't read Middle West, there's eight fantastic issues out. Go get them. Get them digitally. Whatever you want. Either way. Make sure you're reading it. Issue 9 coming out in just a few days. Check it out. Scotty, what do you have to say, man? Do you want to say anything? You got to plug anything? What you got? Uh, I just want to thank everybody for checking it out and, and uh, reading the book and, and having the questions and and just following everything along. It's been fantastic. And um, Yeah, I'd say uh, go check out Bully Wars if you haven't. That was a really cool little five-issue you know mini-series that, that Aaron Condon and I did. And um, I think it's really great. And if you have kids, it's even better. And it's a really cool mm-hmm. all ages book about bullying. Um, that's pretty funny. And um, stay tuned in sometime next week to find out, or well, next week for when we're recording this. So at San Diego, you'll find out what my next Marvel project is. 
Ooh, oh, they're gonna sweet. announce that. Yeah, I know what this is, guys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, Ryan, he always likes holding these things over. His, mm-hmm. You know how often he's like, "Oh, I know what happens in absolute carnage." Yeah. And you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the time. <laughs> Some well, listen. Sometimes I know what's gonna happen in Ryan's books before Ryan knows what's gonna happen in his books. Oh, because yeah, he's got he's got to do a baby variant. Of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Um. Guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Stegman is Amazing Friends. If you want to reach out to the show, you can email us at stegmanandfriends at gmail.com. Um, we, I don't know if we've gotten to the mailbag episode yet. This is only a day after we've recorded the previous episode with Donnie, so I don't know what's happening with emails yet. But rest assured, eventually we're going to read them right here on the show. Um, you can also follow us at... Uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, all at Stegman Show. That's where you can see some behind-the-scenes stuff. And, of course, you get a heads-up on who our next guest is going to be and uh, ask us some questions that we can read here like we did just now. Um, as you guys know, I'm Griffin. And, of course, silent producer Ethan is here being the best Rewind Boy possible. Uh, I'm at Griff Sheridan. He's at Tales to Assange. We do another show called Spider-Man Rewind, where we're going through every single Spider-Man comic in chronological order. It's so fucking good. I love doing it. And uh, we're at Spidey Rewind if you want to check it out. Stegman. Mm-hmm. This is now our fifth episode, which, holy shit, welcome to Spotify, everybody. Just realizing, yeah. hello, Spotify, we're finally here. Thank you for having us, and might we say, hey, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything else you want to add to the I episode? do want to add that yeah. we called this Stegman and his amazing friends, but mm-hmm. I think that I may have just exhausted my two friends. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to change the title now. I'm out of friends. Ah, yeah, shit. <laughs> You're just going to hit up me and Donnie every week now to be like, every week. Segment and his amazing friends, brackets, just the two of them. Bracket, bracket. No, seriously, just Donnie and Scotty, and that's it. Just Donnie and Scotty. Once again, Scotty, thank you so much for being here, man. My pleasure. uh, Listeners, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We hope you have a fantastic rest of your night, and uh, we'll see you all next week.